Father, we come before you this uh, beautiful day, Lord, to say thank you, God, for one more day. We thank you for the uh, privilege to live and breathe, Lord, to uh, be in fellowship, Lord, even via Zoom, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for the gift of technology, Lord. Um, and I pray that you teach us to navigate and use it wisely. And I pray for my brothers and sisters as they're blessed through this avenue, Lord, that you bless their minds, hearts, souls, and uh, their families, Lord, their, their workplace, uh, wherever, wherever they move throughout the days. I thank you, Lord, for that privilege, Lord, to be able to meet together. I pray, Lord, as we uh, jump back into scripture, Lord, that you will open up our minds and hearts and that it'll be your Holy Spirit to teach us and remind us of the truths of scripture and uh, that you can teach us what you want us to change, what you want us to modify in our lives or, or what you want us to do, Lord. I thank you, God, for the ability that we can trust the Holy Spirit, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys can go with me to Philippians uh, chapter 2, um, we'll continue the teaching. We're, I guess we're going through the book, and um, Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to be focusing on verses 4 to 6. So, but we're going we're gonna to read from verses... Um, give me one second here. So we're going to read from verses 5 all the way uh, to verse 13, just to get a glimpse of what we've been going through. So it says like this, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and on. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So this section of scripture that I'm going to try to grapple today is going to be uh, verses 12 to 13. And um, I titled it, Living as Light. In a dark world. So this section right here, living as light in a dark world, and uh, and the outline we've been following, um, it just to you get the glimpse of, of the whole of, of the book of Philippians uh, from chapter one. From I'm sorry, from chapter two and on, uh, we saw verses one to five of unity, which Paul is making an appeal to the church of Philippi for Christian unity, and then verses six to eleven, which we just finished last week, we saw the cross. We saw the, 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 the magnitude of the example of Jesus Christ. And Paul does not use himself as an example. He doesn't use uh, somebody else he could have used. He uses the highest example, which is Jesus Christ. And then now we're moving into a section of holiness. And, um, and what I mean by holiness in, in this next section of practical uh, teaching, verses uh, 12 to 18, to finish off a uh, section of the chapter, I mean that we're set apart for him. We're set apart to be lights in the world. Uh, when we think holiness, it's not, it, holiness uh, encompasses a whole life, uh, the manner of thinking, uh, 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 the manner of living, the manner of speaking, and, uh, it, and it, it, it should impact directly our lifestyle. 
So what I mean by holiness, I mean that we're set apart for the glory of God, uh, set apart to be lights in the world, in another word. And uh, like I said, we just finished looking at the example of Jesus Christ and specifically the cross and what led to the cross and the ultimate example of humility. Again, for there to be, uh, for there, for there could be Christian unity, there, there has to be humility and obedience. Uh, remember, it's like melody and harmony and music. It goes together. It, it brings a pleasing aroma. And uh, now we're gonna we're gonna see a practical section, not so much uh, a theological, but more practical section. And uh, Jesus, you know, was the picture of humility that we saw. And now we're gonna enter the program of humility. Let me let me re uh, say that again. We saw the example of humility of the person of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to see the program of humility, the ongoing work of the believer. So our calling is to live as lights in a dark world. Proverbs 4.18 is, is a verse I, I, that I want to emphasize to, to touch on this. And Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the, like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full of day. So the, the, the way of a Christian ought to be growing and growing and growing. And that, that, so the picture that he portrays here is the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. And it says that shines brighter and brighter and brighter. And that's how our lives should be. We should be growing in the light that we have of Jesus Christ. And there should be an increase of light in, in the Christian's life. We should be moving, uh, as Paul would say, from glory to glory. Uh, we are the vessels, but God is the source and power of light. You know, we, we are the vessels that, that, you know, that contain the light, but we are not the light itself. It's Jesus Christ who shines through us. So let's dig into text, and we're going to wrestle a bit with the text. Um, and we're going to see different, different sections of this text. So, you know, it begins with, so then. Paul says, so then. After he gives this, uh, another word could be, therefore, or because of what I just said. And Paul immediately addressed the church to action. So Paul wasn't trying to lay out important, just, just, he wasn't just trying to lay out important doctrinal points or present a poetic section or a hymn. And so we can gaze upon the beauty and leave it there and just sing it and walk away. No, but he actually was leading the church to action. And truth will always lead us to action. Paul wasn't trying to get, you know, fans. He was trying to get followers of Jesus Christ. Paul, you know, wanted the church to set spirituality to work. It was time to get to work. It wasn't enough just to gaze upon the beauty of Christ, but we must actually live in the light of Christ. And the Christian community was never meant to simply, you know, intake important information and sit back and relax. But on the contrary, we see that we have been called to be zealous for good works. Remember, sound doctrine will lead us into the field of sound practical Christianity, where we all play a role, where we all are in the game. We're not spectators. This is why this is the, the individual priesthood of every believer, that each and every one of us plays a role in the kingdom of God. It is not our kingdom, it is his kingdom. And so each and every one of us must exercise that role of being lights in the world. That's why Paul says, work out your salvation, work this out. And so the Christian you know, community had to continue to grow in obedience to the Lord, living out the principles of the gospel. So salvation is not the end of the road. And this is hard for some people. Some people think, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself to the Lord and just wait till I get to heaven and then it'll be glorious. No, it's about now. It's about the kingdom of God. 
it's not just about the then, but it's about the right now. What I do in between, uh, between my old life and my new life to come. And so salvation, like I said, is not the end of the road, but it is the beginning. It is the pathway uh, to, uh, to make Jesus known. And we must continue into Christian maturity. And, you know, we are born again, and that new life begins from the bottom up. You know, if we are babes in Christ and we start growing, you know, then we're children and we start growing and growing into adulthood, into Christian maturity is what the Lord wants. He wants each and every person. He doesn't want just one leader to be mature. He wants everybody to be mature. He wants everybody to have, you know, equal responsibility in the sense of growing, nurturing, nourishing, uh, blessing one another, because I'm blessed by you and you're blessed by me. And that's how we grow together. We're grow together because we're tied together, because we're parts of the same body. And that is extremely important for us to know. So we keep in mind, when we, when we look at that word, work out your salvation, many of you, maybe your little antennas go up, a little alarms, and, and you might, you know, maybe be thinking of, man, what is Hummer going to say now? Well, keep in mind Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 10, when I, when I, as, as, the, as the foundation for, for what I'm going to be saying. So we're saved by grace. That is not even in question here. You know, Ephesians chapter 2, uh, uh, verse 8 and 10 says much more than we're saved by grace. It actually says that we're saved by grace through faith as a result, not of works, so that no one can boast. No one can say, well, I achieved it by my good merit. No, it's, it's the Lord. And, and But it, it doesn't end there, actually. we got to go to verse 10. It says, so we are his workmanship created for good works. And again, we can't just focus on verse 8. We must go all the way to verse 10 and say we were created to live a life zealous for the Lord of good works. You know, we are to work out uh, what God in his grace has worked in. Follow me again. We need to work out what God has worked in. Remember, we've been lavished through the Holy Spirit. You know, we've been given the love, you know, that is the greatest love of all. You know, in, in Romans chapter 5 says that his love was poured into us through the Holy Spirit. Yet we don't all manifest that love because we need to work that out. We all, we have the love of Christ because we have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. But we need to continuously be purging, be pruning our lives and working that out. So we can love one another more, which is the maximum, you know, uh, commandment. We can do love God and love our neighbor. So God saves and then there's man's responsibility. God is divine and sovereign and we have the freedom to love him, honor him and be faithful to him or simply not. And uh, so when Paul addresses the church, he is not focusing on individuality, but he's focusing on also corporately. You know, he, he says working together. This, there, there's, there's an aspect of my Christian growth that involves you and vice versa. And, and this, is, this, is the, this, is what, this is the plan of Jesus. It, it, it was never meant to be lone rangers, but to be in relationship with God and his people. Be in relationship because we grow that way. There's vitality in the body because it's a living organism. You know, so when, when, when he addresses, it, it, it's not just about you, but it's about us. It's about what we do and what we accomplish together. So our holy conduct should not lead us into a cave, you know, should not lead us into the wilderness and, and be set apart from everybody and hide myself in a cave. You know, it should not lead us to build a home at the top of the mountain so the world cannot stain me, you know, or shedding ourselves from the world. You know, he did not save us to be hermit crabs, all right? That's not part of our salvation. We were saved to be lights. You put a light on, on, on a table so it can light up the room. You don't put a light on the bottom of a table because that makes no sense. You put the light where it can be seen. So we were, we were saved with the purpose 
to be seen, to, to work this out, to, to demonstrate that there is a living God, not only with us, not only among us, but he is our life. And so, you know, we were like, we were not, we were not saved to be hermit crabs as maybe some people think they were, you know, we were, you know, we're not even called to be silent. We're called to speak, to be a voice, to be a voice for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're called to make an impact in every area of our life. And that, you know, it has to do with holiness because holiness impacts not only my moral system, which that is an important part, but it impacts my reasoning, my, my speaking, my, the, the, the way I deal with others, the way I deal with problems. Holiness impacts everything of our life. And that's why it's important that we, that we understand that God is holy. That means that he impacts every area of my life also because holiness is in me because it is him. So working out or, or working at um, is to pull us together in unity to be like-minded for the cause of Christ. You know, when we begin to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the perfecter of our faith, remember this, our faith is not perfected alone. It, it says in Hebrews chapter 12 that he is the author and perfecter. In other words, he is the one, he is the alpha and he is the omega of our faith. Put it that way. So it, with Jesus, we come to know, we need God to know God. You know, we, we need him. And so, but not only that, we need him the whole way through because he is the perfecter of my faith. He's continuously sanctifying me to be a vessel of honor and holiness. So when we fix our eyes on him, then we begin to see the need of others. But it is until I see Jesus Christ as the center of my life that I can see beyond that. And so Paul is now telling the church, you know, after the great example of Jesus Christ, to work your way to Jesus. That's not what he's saying. He's saying work out what he's already put in. You know, and so the believer, you know, you know, work, when he speaks to the church, understand this. They were already saved. And, you know, they were justified. They were cleansed. You know, he's, he's making an exhortation to continue, to, to press forward, to be steadfast, to move, to not be idle. Because it is he who perseveres to the end that will be saved. Remember this. Individuality is not enough. We, we need corporate growth also. And so this working out, um, working at or working out, uh, you know, points to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives through the obedience to the word of God. Again, we work out as we submit ourselves to him. You know, we are set apart for the glory of God. We are set apart and under construction. You know, he isn't, he isn't through with us. It's not like we're saved and, and, the, and the work is complete. No, he was saved. And that's why uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, behold, he says, the old things are gone. Behold the new. And so we are now new creations. So there's a newness of life now that we must uh, be living out, working out. You know, so working out, you know, doesn't mean self-help. Okay, this, this is another important thing we must understand. It doesn't mean I go to a self-help section and, and absorb as much as I can. No, that's not what Paul is saying. It's not self-help. It's God's help. You know, it's, it's, it's not, if it was self-help, there would be no need for the cross. If it was, if it was just self-help, you know, then, then there would be no need for the sacrifice of the beloved son of, of the father. And so we, we have to understand self-help can be good, but it's not enough, you know, and so we need God's help. And um, this, you know, this isn't something that, you know, we can achieve on our own. Like I said, there will be no need for, for Calvary. There will be no need uh, for, the, for, the, for the empty tomb. You know, we need God the whole way through. We need God the whole way through. We need God for the beginning. We need God for the end. We need him the whole way through. We are connected to him. 
And so notice that the verse doesn't say, it does not say, work for your salvation. It's not saying that. The verse is not saying, work toward your salvation. It says, work out your salvation. Pull this out. You know, demonstrate what God has put in you. You know, it is telling us, work out your salvation. You know, we are pulling out, like I said, what God has put in. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You know, you, 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 we, when we're born again, the spirit of the living God dwells within us. And, and we must manifest that in our lifestyle, not just in our speech, not just saying, well, you know, I have good thoughts of Jesus Christ. It's not enough. We have to be zealous for good works. We were created for good works, you know. So outward conduct really matters, you know. Our salvation must be demonstrated. You know, God will, cons you know, uh, constantly uh, be reminding us through his Holy Spirit you know, that of our past deliverances and future obligations. Let me remind you of this. God will remind us through the power of the Holy Spirit of what he's delivered us from and what we're obligated to do now in his kingdom. So there's past deliverances, you know, and, and that's plural because it's not just one. Because he's constantly delivering us from things, uh, you know, from weakness, from failures, from errors, whatever you want to call it. Mistakes, sins. Um, and, and, but then there's future obligations that we must submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And uh, it is the spirit of the living God that will help us, that will impulse us, you know, one step at a time, you know, pull out what God has put in. And that's part of Christian maturity. That's why it's maturity. It doesn't come easy. You know, we, we must put our part. You know, it, it's not like you're going to learn the Bible just because you come to know Jesus Christ. No, you actually have to open it. You actually have to spend time in it. You actually have to pray through it. You actually have to desire it. So it, it, it's not enough just to know that Jesus is the Savior of the world, although that is a very important part. But then he wants you to continue growing to understand what that means, what that means for my daily life. Um, you know, in regards to uh, when we become children of God, you know, the, the, the power, the authority that is within us, you know, we manifest, we have to learn how to manifest his love, his grace, the virtues of God. Uh, you know, however each person, you know, uh, we all grow in different ways, but we must be continuously growing in our Christian life. You know, working out day by day, constantly, you know, growing in grace and in truth uh, towards spiritual maturity and looking like Jesus and loving our neighbors. I mean, really, that's, that's, that's the goal that my life looks more and more like Jesus Christ and that I love my neighbors. You know, that is the, the ultimate commandment. Of course, that, that encompasses a whole lot, but he wants us uh, to love God and love neighbor. You know, outward conduct, you know, is the only way to demonstrate that we love God. It, you know, I, I, it's not enough to say, I love you, Lord, you know, and then my outward conduct has another message. Remember this, the message of my lifestyle and the message of my speech must be in line because my lifestyle will speak louder than my words. So if my, my speech is glorious and exalting and Sunday morning holy is the lamb, you know, and then Monday morning I forget about the lamb, well, people are going to see that lifestyle. And so it's not enough just to say holy is the lamb. We must actually live this out, demonstrate it. That is what the kingdom of God is all about. And so it's, you know, Proverbs uh, 2011 said, it says that it is by his deeds that a lad distinguishes himself, you know, whether his conduct is pure or right. You know, it says that it is by the deeds of the person that there is a, a distinction, whether, whether there is purity or whether there is sinfulness. It is by the deeds, by the way they live their life. 
And so there's much work, there, there's much to work out as we can see. You know, the gospel calls us individually to a life of sacrifice. There's a call. You know, the gospel calls us to be lights in a dark world. The gospel calls us to be holy. The gospel calls us to serve one another. It's called brotherly kindness. You know, the gospel calls us to live in unity with one another and in fellowship with God throughout our whole lives. And so all this, you know, he says, do it in fear and in trembling. So he says, um, so then my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So there needs to be total sincerity. There needs to be sincerity when we serve the Lord. It needs to be genuine. It needs to be real. It can't be, uh, it can't be some sort of uh, just an appearance. It needs to be genuine uh, service, genuine uh, surrender. A total recognition of who God is is what Paul is saying. Recognize who God is and serve him because he is worthy. So there's a total recognition that Paul is trying to uh, uh, unravel to the church. That, that constant reverence for our Christian walk. That when we live our lives... That we are conscious that God is not only the Savior of the world, but He's also with us. That He also that that He that He has made this body a temple, and so that everything I do in this life, you know, impacts uh, everything I do in this life. He cares about because this is now His temple. And if you can look at Old Testament scripture, and you can see how important the temple was, and that's why holiness really matters. That's why this fear and trembling. You know, it, it, it's it's much more than 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 than, um, than just being scared. That's not that's not what it's trying to portray. Uh, you know, it's it's to not play games in our spiritual life, and much less we should not play games with God. You know, it's just you know this is what I tell people all the time. It's just not wise to play games with God. It's just not good, and it's not beneficial. Three things. If you remember this, you know, it's this is the way it is. It is not wise. It is not good for you, and it's not beneficial. You know, when I speak to people who don't know the Lord, I tell them the same thing, vice, you know, vice versa. I say, you know, come to church, learn, read the Bible, because only, you know, it's a wise thing to read the Bible. It's good, and it's beneficial for you. You know, and um, that's, you know, and, and, and the same way it goes uh, when playing games with God. It's just, it's just not something you should do. Um, and um, so there should be an understanding uh, that we serve a holy God. You know, understanding that we serve a mighty, powerful, yes, loving, but he is a holy God. And, and he wants holiness in our character, in our lifestyle, and in everything we do. And, uh, and this is not a slavish fear. Okay, so understand this. He's not trying to portray a slavish fear, you know, but a wholesome, you know, serious caution. All right, so watch the distinction. Paul is saying, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, not in slavish fear, but more wholesome caution. Be aware of your, be aware of who you serve, with reverence that you approach uh, that your Christian life as if God was with you in person. And so, and that's why Ecclesiastes uses a lot of phrases like "guard your steps" as you go to the house of God, or or he says, Solomon says, "Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought." You know, do not let your speech cause you to sin. You know, there's a lot of wisdom, uh, Solomon. Gave these little uh, uh, little snapshots. Be be careful when you go to the house of God. Be careful not just to blabber words, you know, to make vows. Because he goes, if you make a vow, be sure to pay your vow to God. And you can see that in chapter five of the book of Ecclesiastes. If you want more details, you know, when one loses, you know, the fear of the Lord, we can see this in society. When when the the, the world has no fear of God, and I mean just in general, 
you know, we see society collapses. You know, there, 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 there is no fear of God in many people's lives. And, you know, and we shrink into careless living. And that's what I want to make sure this goes into your hearts. That, it, that when I lose the fear of God, it's, it's going to be seen in my lifestyle. There's going to be carelessness. You know, prayer is really not that important. You know, scripture reading, you know, it's an archaic book. And why read it every day? You know, um, you know and, and then we start going, well, why even go to church? You know, I could just watch somebody on TV. You know, why, you know, why even gather with people? I can't get along with them. You know, then we start making excuses. And then worst of all, then we begin to justify our excuses. And so we got to be really careful that we don't, that the, with the fear, when we lose the fear of God, you will notice in people's lives immediately. Uh, you, it's, not a, it's not a thing that ground, you're going to notice it right away. They just don't care, you know, and because they have careless, undisciplined living. And uh, we need to be careful with that because then that leads us to serve other gods. Remember this, this is a matter of worship. God wants us to worship him. And so when, when I begin to serve other gods, I begin to serve those gods. And you can put the, the name of that God. Um, so in verses 12 to 13, uh, there's two things that are implied here directly. And Paul is not trying to, uh, trying to take sides. He's just implying this. There's freedom and there's responsibility. There's freedom and responsibility. Or in other words, there is divine sovereignty and there is human freedom. Paul is not trying to argue this like we do. Paul is not wasting his time on theological discussions. He wants to preach the gospel. You know, unlike many people spend their time just debating that, um, and the debate has been going on for over 500 years, and they can't figure it out. And we're not going to figure it out. And so, but what we do know is what we do now truly matters. And Paul is saying, look, God is sovereign, but you're responsible. You know, God, if God, if God can save, but you're responsible. You must respond to the gospel. We must respond to the, to the scripture. And so both verses are tied together, verse uh, 12 and 13. You know, God works through our will. You know, God is working through my will day by day. Willing always comes before doing. I must, you know, I must will. You know, they always say that when there's a will, there's a way, right? And so when somebody purposes themselves to do something, there's a way. They'll find a way. If, if I will to do something, man, man has proven through time that they will find a way. You know, we, we see this, uh, you know, that man will find a way. And so when willing comes before doing. So that's why we must allow God to work through our will, our desires, our ambitions, our, uh, our passions must be directed continuously to God so that I can will the things that honor the Lord. That's how we pray according to the will of God, right? And so when we say, when we pray for anything, we say, may your will be done. Why? Because it is his will that ultimately matters. And it is, it is he who knows more. Uh, so let us, you know, as Paul would have said, let us be occupied in our salvation. Let us be occupied. Let us, let, let us spend time in this, um, striving to acknowledge him in all our life. We must continuously strive and say, okay, God, I, I, I need help in this area. We need to, I need to work this out. And we need to learn how to wrestle with the text. Sometimes the scripture is not that easy. Sometimes our, the, the situation isn't easy. You know, we must wrestle. We've got to wrestle with the text and say, okay, God, I'm not understanding this. Humble yourselves and God will demonstrate what is the path we must take. And um, so, you know, we must understand God's power is at work in us. And in verse 13, it says, for it is God who worketh in you, King James. Another one says, it is God who is at work in you. And then it says, to will and to act in order to fulfill 
His good purpose is beautiful. And another version, I would say, giving you the desire and the power to do what is pleasing to him. I like that one. It says, giving you the desires as I grow in Christ, as I grow, you're going to notice this. And for those of you that are under my discipleship, I continue to tell you this, that your desires change. I, I don't change anybody. It's, it's when you spend time with God, you will notice desires change. What you used to like, you just don't really like anymore because God changes your desires. Why is that? Because you're loving him more because you have found your first love because now your love is not, is not earthly. Now it's divine. It's sovereign. There's something greater. And, uh, and so that, that our desires continuously changing is a, is a powerful thing because that's going to make our will uh, be modified to what the Lord wants. And so no one can live the Christian life until he has Christ, right? We, must, we, we can't live our Christian life. A lot of times, you know, we're trying to Christianize people and they don't even know Jesus Christ, you know, right? And, and we as parents, we, we, we have that a lot. We do that a lot. You know, we want, our, we want our kids to live Christian lives, but they must be Christian, right? It's not enough to have good morals. That's good. You know, uh, it's good to be polite. It's good to have etiquette. It's good. There's a lot of good things, but you must know Jesus Christ. I cannot transfer my faith to my kids. You know, I, it doesn't work that way. We can, I cannot trust my faith to my spiritual children. I, I, we can't do that. You know, if we could, then we would save a lot of people a lot faster. We, it doesn't work that way because salvation belongs to the Lord. You know, we, we cannot do that. As much as we would like, our job is to pray, to model it, to love them. And, and that, that, that goes with one another um, as we pray for people. You know, God is continuously, we must understand that God is at work continuously you know, um, effectually working through us, always. He is effectually working through us at all times. And that's why in Galatians says that he is the one who effectually works. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says that this word or the word performs its work in you who believe. All right, important thing there. God will always be, you know, the, the, the source of growth. And um, all we need for growing and maturity is the Lord. But it says in Thessalonians 2.13 that the word performs the work in you who believe. In other words, the word is not going to serve you any purpose if you don't believe. All right? And so that, that's an important thing. It, it works its purpose in those who believe. And again, that goes with faith. We must have faith. God is not going to force you to have faith. You must believe. Just like you believe that you're going to wake up tomorrow and, and do X, Y, Z, you have faith. You know, you know, we don't know. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. You know, but we believe we are. You know, and uh, whatever it is, uh, you believe you're going to eat later on. You know, although you don't even know. Uh, and so you have faith. And so in, in in that way, in much greater, we must we must uh, we must put our 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 the faith of our souls, the, the the eternal place of our souls. You know, how much more does that matter uh, that we put it upon the Lord Jesus Christ? And you know, th this amazing truth that ought to bring the church joy and gratitude that it is God working. It's not the pastor. It's not the leader. It's not, it's not whoever you want to name. It's God working through us. And this is the Christian joy. And this is what Paul is bringing out uh, to all Philippians. Joy. There's joy in suffering. You know, there's joy even when he was in prison. There's joy even when others preach the gospel in, in, a, in a wrong way because at least they're you know, making Jesus known, and God will deal with them later. Paul is trying to do, find any way to tell the Christian, live a life of joy. Anyway, he, Paul is trying to just get that in there and, and using examples of his person and of Jesus Christ. 
You know, God is always at work in our lives and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't take days off. You know, he, he doesn't leave us to, you know, wander around and waste time. You know, here we can see the faithfulness of God in our lives. We see God being faithful. We see this from scripture. We see this just throughout our lives. God is faithful and he's going to work this out in us. If, we're, if, if, we're, if we give ourselves, if we abide in him, you know, he can do great things to us. And, and uh, through us, to us, for us, you know, however you want to put that. God is the one working that out of us. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 6 tells us that there are different, you know, ways of working. But the same God works all things in all men. There's different ways of working, but it's the same God. You know, when it comes to gifts, when it comes to anything that God works out of us, there's different ways of doing this. But it's the same God. You know, and it's not us. It's the Lord Jesus Christ working through us. And later on in verse 15 in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he tell, Paul says this statement that is powerful. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, not by the teachings of Gamaliel, not by sitting under the best teachers, not by living, the, being a Pharisee of the Pharisees, the Hebrew of the Hebrews. Paul, no, he, 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 in fact, he says, we'll see that later on, how he counts that all as dumb. He says, it's not even, I mean, that's just trash compared to the, the glory of knowing Christ the Lord, knowing God more. You know, that's why he says, it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. Paul never takes credit. He doesn't give credit to another. He doesn't give honor to another. He just says it how it is. If it was not for the grace of God, I would not be here. You know, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would not uh, have achieved this. Paul is giving him the glory, giving God the glory. You know, that, it, it, and he says that his work was not in vain. It says in that chapter, even though he worked hard, even though he says he worked harder than the other apostles, you know, um, you know, even though he was rejected, even though he had a hard way, but it was the grace of God that led him. You know, and I love what he says. Paul says it right there in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He says, not I, not I, but the grace of God. And that is, is key. Not I, but the grace of God. You know, this is why God takes all the glory and honor at all times. You know, it wasn't us. It was the Lord. You know, when, when things happen, it was never your name, my name. It was the Lord. You know, when, when people come to know Jesus, it wasn't us. It was the Lord working through us. You know, it doesn't matter how faithful we are. God is much more faithful. And we are going to be unfaithful because we're human, you know, because we fail. And so we must understand that. God takes the glory, you know, when, when things happen, just remember this, it was the Lord. You know, when, when mountains move, when storms are stopped, it was the Lord. It was not, it was not your magnificent prayer. It was not your magnificent scripture reading. It was not your devotion. It was not your Christian piety. It was not, no, it was the Lord. It was God working through you. Not that those things don't matter, but it was God who was accomplishing the work through us working this out through us and this brings humility in the body and this brings christian unity because we all stand even at the feet of the cross and we say man you know what we all need jesus the same way we all need him the same way therefore their christian unity is much easier that way in first corinthians 3 7 paul then he says so then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but god who causes the growth again he goes whether you water, whether you plant, that's not even the important factor. What matters is that God is causing this growth. Again, the, the important word here is cause. God is bringing this out. You know, you, you'll see this in your life. 
if you dedicate yourself to, to pray every day for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever you can dedicate, you will see that you will grow. Not because I told you this, but because you're actually doing it. You're trusting God. If you dedicate every day to read the Bible, going through your devotionals, you will grow. Not because of, of, of some added source. No, just because God will work that through you, out of you. You'll notice that you'll love more. You'll care more. You'll, you'll be more dedicated. You, and, and, and it is God who modifies our life. And that is the beauty. But he just wants our obedience. He says, you know what? I mean, I'm not asking for much. You know, just give your life to me. Give, give your life and I'll give you much more. You know, there's much greater joy, much greater peace, much greater everything through Jesus Christ. So our God, we know that is a very powerful God. And he brings the sun. He brings the water. He prunes and cleans the soil. Therefore, he causes the growth, right? You plant a seed, you have no control over the sun. You have no control over the water. You, know, you have no control over these things. It is God who provides these things. The provision comes from the Lord. The sun belongs to him. The water belongs to him. The dirt belongs to him. We belong to him. Nothing we do can, 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 can manipulate God. It is God working. It is not the manipulation of man. It is the work of the Holy God working through us and for our good. You know, it, it, it just, it, it's for our good it, that, that, um, that we trust him. Why would we want to be in charge of, uh, of this? I mean, that, that task. We can, we can barely do it what we have now. Uh, you know, why, why? Why not just trust God? That's why we give our life to him and trust him. You know, our role is to work out, to manifest, a, you know, a life of obedience and to let God be God. Let God be God. Um, you know, we are not Holy Ghost Junior. All right. Let God be God. He doesn't need another helper. He is the helper. We need help right? He, he, he is the counselor. He doesn't need advice. It's not like we go to God and God, well, I think you should do this. Well, maybe you should listen to God. Maybe we should stop and say, you know what? He is the counselor, right? He is the prince, right? He is, he, in fact, he is the wonderful counselor, right? He is the prince of peace, right? So no matter what we need, it's better. It's it, like I told you, it's just, it's just wise. It's good. It's beneficial. If you want it in practical terms that we obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And we live a life, you know, that is pleasing to him. You know, when we obey and his grace just empowers us. You'll notice is that that's why the grace of God is not just for salvation. But Titus says in chapter two, he says that it is also for your instruction. Why is that? Because the grace of God instructs us to deny ungodliness, right? And so it, 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 that's why Jesus even grew in grace, right? We must grow in grace. When he was here, Paul said, grow in grace and truth. And we all, the Christian life is to grow in the grace of God and say, God, make me more like you day by day and let me live a pleasing life unto you. And remember this, that in a sense, he is the one who is going to bring the strength, the energy. He's going to energize our life day by day. He's going to strengthen us day by day. He's going to push us forward day by day. Um, and it's not going to be us. He will uplift us. We, we, don't, we, 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 we need him. We can't just depend on one another. We must depend firstly upon God, that our strength comes from him. And he'll make a way where there is no way. Remember this. So when, when it comes to growth, you know, we should not set boundaries or limits on God. He is a limitless God, right? And he is all-knowing, all-powerful. 
when it comes to growth, there it's the same thing. Why do you think that some people come to know Jesus Christ and the next time you see them, they're like, man, they're teaching you? Because wisdom does not come from just books, it comes from above. Well, why do you think people, you know, come to know Jesus Christ and then maybe they're leading the church a few years after, or they're doing these great things for the Lord because they gave their life to the Lord, you know, and 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 so what we put in, you know, truly matters on this. And if we want God to work through us more, we'll give more to him, more time, you know, give more of your energy. You know, that's why it says to love him with what? With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. You give him these four channels of your life, guarantee you there will be growth and there'll be, there'll be fruit, not just growth. Um, you know, as Paul reminds the church uh, to pursue unity uh, and, you know, live a life that is God-pleasing, live a life that honors the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, and demonstrated by his, our daily lives, you know, we should, we should embrace this teaching and say, God, just as this church was exhorted, he's exhorting us today. He's pushing us to be aligned with him. And, uh, and that, we, you know, we can, that we can meditate on this day by day and apply it to our lives is ultimately what the Lord wants. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, it says these words. It says, speaking the truth in love, we are, again, plural, we are to grow up in all aspects into him, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted together and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love look at it's like a beautiful uh, uh, just masterpiece here that we see we see a cadence a pattern uh, uh, you know that there's an individual part and there's a corporate part individual corporate growth individual is same for worship individual worship and then there's corporate worship uh and, and your your prayer life individual prayer life corporate prayer life and that's how the christian life works individuality corporately Neither one can supersede the other. They're both important. That my individual life has to do with my corporate life also. And uh, so in a sense, so as we close this, there is, so there is in a sense that God, you know, does it all in salvation. Yes, God does it all in salvation. But the proof that God has done it all, you know, is that the individual responds to him, responds to the gospel. So it, it, it's, it, yes, does God save? Yes, he saves. But we must respond to this. We must live a life of obedience. Uh, we must live a life of holiness. We must pursue him constantly, day by day. And in this letter, we see how, you know, the, the Christians are exhorted, like I was telling you, to respond to the gospel. And, and in a capsule, you know, we see, we, we, can, we can sum up Philippians with joy, right? I would say gospel and joy. Uh, and um, and we, we can see this here. Paul is exhorting in each of the four chapters, um, and we're going to find it, we'll, we'll get through them one day, but each of the four chapters, we see joy. What, what, what do I mean by that? In chapter one, he says joy in suffering. Chapter two, he says joy in serving. And chapter three, uh, he tells them joy in believing. Chapter four, joy in giving. In other words, Paul is trying to penetrate the church through any way possible and say the Christian's joy is Jesus Christ. He is our joy. And you're going to find it whether you suffer, whether you want to give, whether you want to serve, whether you want to, whatever you want to do in your Christian life, you must be finding that joy in Jesus Christ. Uh, because there's nothing worse than serving God and not liking it, not loving it. I mean, that, that's not what God wants. Even giving, he says, he blesses the cheerful giver, right? Even your giving 
He wants you to be joyous in that. Even in your loving, he wants you to be joyous in that. In your suffering, which the world cannot understand, we must be joyous in that. We must rejoice at all times because we know God is a good God. God is a holy God and God is a loving God. You know, and that's why Paul says, for I'm confident of the very thing, that he who began the good work in you shall perfect until the day of Christ the Lord. Right? So the work that he's begun in us, it is not necessarily us who is going to complete it. It is God working through us who will complete that work. And that's why we can have joy. That's why even though the world, the world is falling apart as we look at it, but God is at the throne and we can be joyous. And even the world is in chaos. He's not in chaos. The world is in confusion. God is not a God of confusion. The world lacks knowledge. Ask, seek the Lord. He'll give you knowledge. It doesn't matter what it is. We can trust and believe that Jesus Christ is the giver of joy. And therefore, our salvation ought to be one of joy. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this beautiful day, Lord, this Lord's day, Lord, with gladness and sincerity in our hearts. As we look into scripture, God, and we examine it, we examine the text, we wrestle with it, uh, we look at different sides of it, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will nourish us, will stretch us, Lord, that we can love you more, that we can acknowledge you more in our lives, that we can uh, learn to reason more, Lord, that everything we do can be put through the lens of scripture. I pray that our hearts will be purified. I pray that my brothers and sisters, Lord, as they read the word, as they live out their Christian life, I pray that you will help them. I pray that you will help them day by day in their struggles, in their weaknesses, in things they need to change, and uh, that you can help us corporately, God, as a body. Help us all, Lord, that we can just have a life that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we love you and we love neighbor, I pray that you change us, modify us, uh, transform our lives. Just take out the prunus, take out what, what needs to be taken out, Lord, and put in what needs to put in. I thank you for the church. I pray for the, 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 the whole church, Father, in general, all over the world. I pray that you bless the saints, God, as we gather in different ways or we're trying to invent things just so we can meet, Lord. I pray that you bless the church, bless our, our uh, just our, our, our trials, Lord, bless our struggles, that you can be glorified at the end of everything we do, Lord, that your church will shine. And uh, at, at our local church, our congregation, God, I pray that we will shine, God, in this city. We'll shine in our cities where we live, in our workplaces, in our school, wherever we move. That the children of God will be lights in the world, Lord. And that as the, as the dawn, as the light of dawn increases, that we will increase little by little. As from early morning to the evening, that we will grow and grow and grow and shine. I thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.